You know, the truth is that God had to set parameters in his second chance for Israel, a second chance. We're going to be talking about the new nation emerging now as we focus on Genesis, or, uh, Exodus chapter 34. This is a very interesting passage today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And welcome to Bible Discovery TV, discovering the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We do that this year. It's very interesting. Corey and Ryan help us. Corey? I'm taking a look at the golden calf incident today. It's not good. Ryan? Today, my good friend Richard Fangrad is here to answer this frequently asked Bible question. If God created the universe, then who created God? I love Richard Fangrad. That's great. Okay, so we have a Bible IQ question, it's a Janice. Friday wrap-up question, and it's going to be based anywhere from Exodus chapter 11 through 36. All right, take your Bible guide and turn to Exodus 34. We're going to look at this whole calf thing and see what's going on. The Bible talks to us. Exodus 34, 1 through 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Exodus chapter 34, verses 1 through 9. God's character is an amazing thing, and we talk about it all the time. Uh, but I, I really don't think that we truly understand God's character. We say God is merciful, but what does that really mean? Well, the book of Exodus does more than establish the origin story of the nation of Israel. It reveals to us more of God's character and more of God's plan of redemption or salvation for the world. As God deals with Israel and Moses, we see him get into situations of great mercy and God's great holiness. 
All throughout Exodus, we see God's holiness being emphasized. His presence made the ground holy, the mountain holy. The people were to be holy because God is holy. We see quite clearly that anything or anyone that is unholy cannot coexist with God. Now, For us today, we have Jesus Christ as the answer to his law of holiness. His righteousness is applied to us. His sacrifice takes away our sin, our unholiness, so that we can be reconciled to God. For our sakes, Jesus Christ came through the holy people of Israel, and he was sacrificed for human sin, and he rose from the dead miraculously, overcoming the power of sin. As we dedicate our lives to God, he makes us like himself holy. And we remember, God is merciful. What does that mean, really? I mean, what what does that really mean? How do we say that? Well, first of all, take your Bible guide, because this is very important. As we look at this, this is the Bible guide for January. Uh, You can get a hold of yours, if you haven't, by writing to us or calling us or going to uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, or you can go to BibleDiscoveryGuide.com. And it takes you to a donate page. Then it takes you to a site where you can download the guide exactly how we printed it. So you can have one just like we printed it. It's awesome. Anyway, um, get a hold of your guide because it leads you to the most holy book of all, the Holy Bible. And we are in the 34th chapter. This is absolutely stunning of the book of Exodus. Let's pray. Father, help us today as we study the first seven verses of this chapter, the first nine verses, really, help us to study and understand what you say and help us to understand your mercy as well. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen and amen. So here's what the Bible says. And the Lord said to Moses, God speaking, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones, And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. You see, I need to tell you that God had to set parameters in his second chance for Israel, a new nation. Our second chance today is through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. I need to be clear about this. Moses came down the first time and he was so angry with the children of Israel for setting up this golden calf that he threw the stones down and they broke all over the place. And You know, God didn't tell him to throw the stones down. Moses has a bit of an anger problem, which we're going to see in the book of Numbers later on. But Moses has to get two more tablets and God has to write on them again. And uh, if you think about that a minute, God had to write it twice. Think about that. The law of God was written twice. The Ten Commandments were written twice. And we're legislating Ten Commandments to be thrown out today? Not sure about that. Anyway, it's very, very interesting. But God set parameters because of his holiness. Now we go back to the scripture and it says, So, 
He cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And then Moses rose early in the morning and he went to Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tablets of stone. Now, the Lord descended in a cloud or in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for the thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children upon the children's children to the third and fourth generations. Now, this is what God says. Evil is not relieved of its punishment, but those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord are. God is perfect. Let me explain this to you. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, but God is perfect. He's the perfect judge, the perfect savior. He's the perfect God. He's made all of this. He is perfect. And only God knows how to deal with sin. And he did so 2000 years ago through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He said, somebody has to go and be a part of this. So he sired a child and that child who was fully God and fully man, lived with us for 33 years. At the end of that life, he surrendered and we crucified him. But death could not kill him because he's God. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Fully physical, fully spiritual, every other way. And he went to the right hand of the Father. I, I got to tell you, that is an amazing story. And we'll get to that. This is really important. Now let's go back to verse eight. So Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us as your inheritance. The third point. Moses asked God for his forgiveness. I need you to hear this. Moses asked God for his forgiveness. See, we must ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to become part of his kingdom. One of the key aspects of repentance or of salvation is repentance. What does that mean? It means seeing the problem of sin and asking God, and admitting that you can't do anything about it, but asking God to forgive you. And when God does that, he does forgive you. Jesus comes into your heart. The Holy Spirit comes down and he gives you a portion of what it means to follow God. You become a part of God's kingdom. It is amazing. I want to encourage you today as we've studied. Perhaps you need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I do. Let's pray together if you do. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we know you came, died on the cross, and rose again in the flesh. We need you to forgive us of our sin. We need you, Lord, to come into our heart and be Lord of our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask this. And everyone said together, Amen.
All right, so my guest today is the CEO of Creation Ministries International Canada and co-host of the weekly program Creation Magazine Live, Richard Fangrad. And Richard was here yesterday to answer a false claim against the Bible. And that claim was that the Bible is just a book of fiction. And if you didn't see yesterday's program, then I really want to encourage you to go back and check it out. But today I ask Richard another question that often comes up. And that is, if God created the universe, then who created God? Now, this question may sound smart and reasonable on the surface, but as Richard points out, it's not. Okay, what about another one? This is another one that we hear a lot. If, if God created the universe, then who created God? Well, something has to be eternal, right? Science tells us that. Uh, we know that something cannot come from nothing. If there ever was a point where there was nothing, there would always be nothing. You can't make something from nothing. That's the first law of thermodynamics says you, you can't create or destroy energy, it just changes forms and so on. And so something has to be eternal. And that eternal thing cannot be matter. It can't be something physical because of the second law of thermodynamics that says that all sources of energy trend toward disorder. The energy tends to, that's a measure of order, but as far as energy, the energy sources will eventually burn out until all the energy in the universe is, it's, it's all a uniform temperature and there's no more ability to do any work, to put that energy to work. And we're not there yet. We're still here in this studio with the cameras and so on and that NBC, this lovely retreat center. And uh, so we're not there yet. So the universe must have had a beginning and it, it, it can't exist eternally because it would already be at that heat death stage, which is what they call it. But it, it can't be physical. We're, we're not at that heat death. Um, matter can't last forever. Otherwise we would be at that heat death scenario. So the universe can't be, the physical universe, matter energy universe can't be eternal, logically. So something non-material needs to be eternal. And that's God. God is eternal. He's not subject to the laws of thermodynamics. And he spoke the universe into existence. And the universe is going downhill. <clears throat> uh, we, we know that from science and just looking around us. And then we're all aging and uh, that kind of thing. So it just makes sense that the, uni the universe had a beginning. Everything that has a beginning must have a cause. The universe must have a cause. God, people say, well, where did God come from them? God didn't have a beginning. Everything that has a beginning needs a cause. God had no beginning. He needs no cause. So logically, you don't need to ask. It, it, the, the question is, is a, it's a bit of a tricky question. It's not, it's not really a valid question. Something like everything else that we're familiar with had a beginning, but God didn't. So there's no cause that's required to, to invoke God. All right, so if you want to see the whole interview, then it is available on this set called A World by Design 3, which is almost seven hours of interviews. And these are interviews that I recorded at a Creation Super Conference late last year, put on by Creation Ministries International, or CMI. And I've been showing you all samples of it during the month of January. This set is available from our ministry in both DVD and digital formats. So just call, write in, or go online to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Also remember to check out CMI's website at creation.com. BibleDiscoveryTV.com has that available, and so 
you can order it there and get a hold of it. So it's very, very good. I recommend it by all means. I really enjoyed myself when I was with you on that. Mm -hmm. Behind the scenes, watching those interviews. I love Richard. He's awesome. Corey, go for it. Yes. Okay, so today we're going to be taking a look at the incident of the golden calf. Um, and right away, we're going to talk about how... Um, this incident isn't unique. It's the first time that it happens for Israel, uh, you know, here in Exodus, but it happens again in the days of uh, Solomon's son and David's grandson, Rehoboam, when Israel rejects him as king and the most of the tribes elect essentially, they back a different king who's never been king before. And his name is Jeroboam. And Jeroboam does the same thing. He creates a calf idols. Uh, and, and one thing that, that I'm going to let you watch the segment. And then I want to talk about this concept of why this might've happened. Take a look. Two major instances of idolatry in the Bible are directly connected with ancient Egypt. One occurred under the leadership of Aaron while Moses was delayed on Mount Sinai, and the other was initiated by Jeroboam after he successfully took control of a fragmented Israeli kingdom. These instances share the image of their idolatry, calves. Both took place during a vulnerable time of transition and so probably served to reassure and unify. So why cows? In the case of the golden calf incident during the days of Moses and Aaron, Israel had just escaped oppression in Egypt and had been traveling to the promised land, facing opposition and physical warfare on their way. They made a pit stop at Mount Sinai where Moses left them to go and receive instruction from God. When he didn't return, the people assumed him dead, themselves abandoned. They forced Aaron to make an idol for them to worship and inquire of for help. Why a calf? In the case of Jeroboam, who himself had just returned from taking refuge in Egypt, away from King Solomon, who had a price on his head, he was the king of a newly formed northern Israel. He had the allegiance of most of the tribes, but had lost the crown jewel of the nation, Solomon's Jerusalem temple. Jeroboam's answer was to set up two sacred areas within his territory so that the people would not travel back into his rival's dominion to worship or celebrate the feasts of the Lord. Again, Jeroboam's idols of choice were cows. While the full meaning of the golden cows may not be ascertainable, the connection with Egypt is likely not a coincidence. The ancient Egyptians worshipped a few deities that utilized bull and cow imagery. They had a sacred bull cult dedicated to the life and death cycles of the god of the underworld, involving cycles of worshipping, then slaughtering living bulls. Even more widespread was their worship of the cow goddess Hathor. She was sometimes depicted as a full cow and sometimes as a human with a cow's head or ears. The cow was seen as life-giving. She sustained life through her milk. It was even said of some pharaohs that they were nursed by Hathor. This cow goddess empowered, sustained, and imparted divinity to the king's rule. Due to Hathor's nature as a goddess of provision, it seems a natural possibility that in Israel's time of need, they turned to a familiar cult to rescue them, without a leader, in hostile territory, with vulnerable families. 
Likewise, Jeroboam needing to unify his people even further likely reached into his pop culture to provide an alternative. Justification for his apostasy may even have been pillaged from the imagery of the temple itself. The temple's bronze basin sat on 12 bronze bulls. These bulls were not symbols of God, but their association with the temple, strength, and even the 12 tribes could have paved the way towards cultural justification. All right, so we see Israel really go down uh, into idolatry, specifically this calf idolatry, in two times where they're experiencing great vulnerability. I mean, they thought God had killed Moses when he was up on Mount Sinai, and it certainly does not excuse their behavior, but I think we can understand it from a human perspective where now they're alone in the wilderness. They've already been attacked once in warfare. There's women and children and animals with them, and they feel like they've now been abandoned by God. And what are they going to do? They should have cried out to God and asked. That's what they should have done. But that's not what they did. And, and I think we can relate to this concept of doing really dumb things in times of desperation and in times of fear and anxiety and stress when we make bad decisions. And like no good life decisions are made when we're in a, a point of absolute fear and stress and anxiety. That's when we have to stop and invite God into it and, and get calm down and be able to listen to him and, and, and then make decisions, right? Because we see that also, again, with Jeroboam is this time of transition and everything was on a knife edge and they could have easily lost their land and been invaded. And what do they do? They fall into idolatry again. It's, it's not a good idea. It's not the reaction they should have had. And I think we can learn from that. Fear, stress, and idolatry. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things we were never meant to have. And sin has brought those to us. Yeah. Okay. So those are the three things that we have to explain. Lord, we need your help. Yeah. We got to deal with it in a smart way. Fear is a strong motivator. Stress is not a motivator, but it's a demotivator, but it's a real problem. And Mm -hmm. anxiety, Mm -hmm. which is a result of all of those things. And so fear, stress, and anxiety. And if you have those issues, then we need to come to Christ and we need to say, Lord, help me because God, God will help us. And that becomes very, very important. Very good, Corey. Excellent. And uh, I I might just say this, that uh, if you are under those conditions right now, Father, I pray for people who are struggling with fear. I pray for people who are struggling with stress. I pray for people who are struggling with anxiety. We all do. But Lord, we need to remember who you are. You are the Lord and you can help us. Holy Spirit, help us right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. So there you go. Now, we're not going to give you fear, stress, and anxiety with the Bible IQ question. But, Here's hoping. But it's fun. It's, it really is. Fun for it me. Fun. It's fun. For me. I love it. For many years, you were put on the spot. I was the one on the spot mm-hmm. all the time. So now you just get to sit stress-free. I do. And I don't make go. any, because I made some signs over here and we got... Oh, letters yes. from people. No, you don't want to be and giving so I, the answer away. I want to apologize. Away. I didn't mean to, but mm-hmm. wow. Anyway, so they're pretty serious. They're pretty serious about it. And let's just say over the years, there was times you got many of the answers right, but sometimes you got the answer I did. wrong. I but got them wrong. That next year or I didn't a get couple of again. years later, yeah, you you would get them right. Because I started reading the Bible with details. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Details. Anyway, 
Very good. All right. I'm sure I'll still get some wrong now, but anyway, because the Bible's got a lot of words in it. It's got a lot of things. Lots of details. Mm -hmm. Lots of details mm -hmm. in yeah. there. Yes. Okay. Now Here I try go. to keep them, you know, on a fairly consistent level. I think having the multiple choice is helpful. It is. I think so too. I think yeah. so. You know, be, I try to make it good for everyone, whether you are entry level with, with this whole Bible thing or whether you've been reading the Bible since you were a child. So we try to just keep it on an even keel for everybody. All right. So speaking of that, let's move ahead. All right. All mm -hmm. right. So this was anywhere from Exodus 11 through to 36. Lots of things I could have asked. However, where did Aaron get the gold for the calf idol? Okay. So just, it has been quite helpful that we've been talking about that in the last mm -hmm. couple of days. So where did Aaron get the gold for the calf idol? Number one, did he get it from the gold given to them by the Egyptians when they left Egypt? Because remember, they were going around and collecting things from the Egyptians before they left. So was it from the gold given to them by the Egyptians? Number two, from the earrings that they wore? Or three, a collection of their jewelry. For example, their bracelets, rings, their earrings. Where did this gold come from? They, they have the Bible. They can use the Bible, can't well, they? Well, yes, our viewers certainly can use their Bible. <laughs> These you two, can. however, cannot. That is a tricky question. <laughs> yes. Because two and three. Very similar. Very similar. What we believe is that the, the answer is actually in three. But the answer is two. Yes. Yeah. The okay. answer is in well, three. Yes. We think it's earrings. It's yeah. the earrings, right? Right. But mm -hmm. part, that's part of the third answer as well. Yeah, because that, that earrings and jewelry. So I think it's oh. just the earrings. Yeah. But that's so what I think, too. Yeah. The earrings, not the jewelry. Exclusively, they're saying it was just the earrings. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's read Exodus chapter 32, verses 2 and 3. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. It was the earrings exclusively. The mm -hmm. Good job. Spotify is a great place where you can get your podcast, also iHeartRadio. Wherever you get your podcast, call for Bible Discovery. Just look up Bible Discovery TV and you can find it to get your podcast. We provide them. We've been doing it for several years. And that's how you can stay in touch with going through God's Word, reading God's Word, and understanding the Word of God. Today we pray, Lord, forgive me for everything that I've done and help me, Lord, to live for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.